great to be with you all tonight. If you have your Bibles, would you open up to the book of Revelation, chapter 14? How many are genuinely, or who here is genuinely excited about what the Lord's doing in our generation, in our city, in our province? It's not that we just show up and God is here to excite us, but we're called to stir ourselves up in the most holy faith and believe in what he's doing and what he's accomplishing. We walk by faith and not by sight. There's a lot going on even beyond what we might see with our natural sight. Revelation chapter 14, verses 8 to 13, it reads, Then another angel followed him through the sky, shouting, Babylon is fallen. That great city is fallen because she made all the nations of the world drink the wine of her passionate immorality. Then a third angel followed them, shouting, Anyone who worships the beast and his statue or who accepts his mark on the forehead or on the hand must drink the wine of God's anger. It has been poured full strength into God's cup of wrath. And they will be tormented with fire and burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb. The smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever and they will have no relief day or night for they worshipped the beast and his statue, and have accepted the mark of his name. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently, obeying his commands and maintaining their faith in Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this down, blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they are blessed indeed, for they will rest from their hard work for their good deeds follow them. Things in life, having things, possessing things, owning things, things require maintenance, upkeep and care. That you look after what you have or what you own or what you possess, what has been entrusted into your hands. It's just the way it is or things start to deteriorate break down, crumble, and fall apart. Maintenance is a regular part of life. Rate maintenance is actually the duty of ownership. When you own something or it's in your possession, there really is a duty to keep it up, to maintain it, to care for it, to look after it. If you own a car, it's going to require maintenance. Maintaining. If you own a house, there's going to be upkeep. You think of your own person requires care. Think about it tonight. If you never washed your car, changed the oil, and so on, or if you never changed the furnace filter in your home furnace, if you never vacuumed, you never cleaned the countertops, and so on, or yourself, if you never showered, had a bath, brushed your teeth, exercised, and so on. You see, maintenance is a regular part of life. Upkeep and care, it's a regular part of life. We're all involved in it. We're all active in it in some measure, in some way, in some form. The things that are important to us, we maintain them. The, we care for them. We keep them. Maintenance is actually the responsibility. It really is the duty of ownership. And Christianity requires Maintenance. Our relationship with Jesus, just like any relationship, requires maintenance. Our faith 
requires maintenance. It's the way it is, or things begin to deteriorate and break down and fall apart. They begin to crumble. You see, this living relationship that we have with Jesus Christ, it takes the co-labor of two parties. It's not just all on God. We're not just throwing all the all the onus on him and saying, come on, you make this work. But we understand that a relationship, just as even we have relationships with others, it requires the co-labor of two parties. Now, God is faithful in doing his part. In fact, he goes above and beyond. He's continually working to keep things clean, to keep things well-oiled, properly running, so to prevent corrosion erosion, deterioration, and breakdown. You see, God doesn't want our life and our faith to crumble and fall apart. And so he's working on us. He's working in our lives continually. How many are thankful that God is continually at work in your life? Now, we might not be taking what he's doing, receiving what he's seeking to accomplish. Because again, this relationship With Jesus Christ, this relationship takes the co-labor of two parties. Revelation 14, verse 12 reads, This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently, obeying his commands and maintaining their faith in Jesus. Our faith requires maintenance. It requires upkeep. It requires care. We actually have to look after our faith. We have to look after our relationship with the Lord. See, it's not your parents' job to look after your relationship with the Lord. It's not your spouse's job or your boyfriend's job or your girlfriend's job or your friend's job or your pastor's job, although all those parties can help. But it's our job to take care of our faith, to maintain our faith. Now, you might be thinking tonight, what does persecution have to do with maintenance of faith? You know, persecution is constantly working at us. It might not be as blatant in this culture as in other cultures, but persecution is alive in our culture. It might not look the same on this side of the planet as it does on the other side of the planet. And we know the stories. We've possibly seen the images of what persecution looks like. We've read the news. We've heard the reports. It might not be as blatant in this side, on this side of the planet, as it is in other parts. But persecution is alive. You see, if we are going to stand for what is right and not bend, persecution lives. If we are going to stand for what is right according to the standard of Scripture, according to the doctrine of the Lord, according to His way, His call, His design of relationship in Christianity, persecution lives. We may not have the end of a barrel of a gun pressed against our temple, but perhaps the seductive charm of unbiblical Christianity the pressure to be accepting of things that God abhors, that God is not well pleased with. You see, our faith faces persecution. We might not really think it's persecution. We might not even call it persecution. We might treat it more lightly 
then we should. Revelation 14.12, God's holy people, speaking to us, must endure persecution patiently, obeying his commands and maintaining their faith in Jesus. If we don't maintain our faith, it starts to deteriorate, break down, crumble, fall apart. It succumbs to persecution. Persecution has its way, eats away at it until it's no more. She was 17 years old. He stood glaring at her, his weapon before her face. Do you believe in God? She paused. It was a life or death question. Yes, I believe in God. Why? Why, asked her executioner. But he never gave her the chance to respond. The teenage girl lay dead at his feet. This scene could have happened in the Roman Colosseum. It could have happened in the Middle Ages. It could have happened in any number of countries around the world today. People are being imprisoned, tortured, and killed every day because they refuse to deny the name of Jesus. This particular story, though, did not happen in ancient times, nor in Vietnam, Pakistan, or Romania. It happened at Columbine High School in Littleton, Colorado on April 20, 1999. You see, it might not be a gun pointed at our head, but what weapon is before our face? Or what's the gun loaded with that is pointed at our head? What is it? Is someone or something working away at us? You see, there's always someone or something working away at us. You see, the enemy wants to weaken our resolve. The truth is we can't let go. We cannot relax maintenance. We continually have to be a people that are maintaining our faith, maintaining our walk with the Lord, maintaining our relationship, maintaining holiness, maintaining purity, all these things. You see, we've been given this great gift called relationship with Jesus Christ. We've been given eternal life and purpose beyond death. We've been given a great gift. And now we possess it and we own it. We have ownership of it. And it's our duty and it's our responsibility to look after it. I have incredible respect and honor for the martyrs. For the martyrs that die for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. When they do, they step into glory. The truth is, the devil wants to kill us while we're still living. You see, he wants us to die dead. He wants us to die with no faith. He wants us to die with crumbled faith, with eroded faith, with broken down faith. He wants us to die without faith in Jesus Christ. And so he comes to work away at us, to break our resolve, to keep us from maintenance, to keep us from maintaining this great relationship and this great faith that we have. Society and culture and media on regenerate humanity and lukewarm, compromised, diseased Christianity are trying to re-educate us, have us deny Jesus, and live on. I mean, then, 
they've really killed us. You see, if I die full of faith, there's a gun pointed at my temple, and I say I believe in Jesus Christ, and the trigger is pulled, and I die full of faith and victory, and with a strong relationship in the Lord, the devil has not won. There's no victory for death. Where is your staying? Grave, you hold no victory, no control over us. We step into glory. There's glory and honor given to the Lord. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. The church begins to grow. The kingdom begins to grow because of stories like this and heroic acts of faith. But if I die dead, the devil has won. The enemy has won. And all has been lost on my account because I've given up. The enemy comes to each of us. He comes into the home. He comes into the church to weaken faith, to have us let go of maintenance, no longer care and upkeep our faith. Ivan, 18 years old, USSR, 1970. Although he had never been there before, Private Ivan knew what awaited him at the major's office. The communists were endlessly calling him to headquarters for talks, trying to re-educate him, to talk him out of his faith in God. It was lunchtime. The sun was shining brightly in the blue sky and the snow glistening. As Ivan walked along the snowy sidewalk, he praised God for this time alone to sing and pray. The morning was so bright at first Ivan didn't notice but suddenly it caught his eye. A bright star began to fall from heaven like a comet. It came close and became bigger and bigger. He looked up to see an angel above him, bright and powerful. Ivan's heart was filled with joy and fear. The angel did not descend all the way to earth, but hovered about 200 yards above the ground. He walked in the air above Ivan as though walking along the same road. Then the angel spoke. Ivan, go. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. Ivan couldn't speak, but his joy was like fire within him. Somehow he made it to Major Gedenko's office and knocked quietly at the door. The Major called him in, the head of the political directive committee, and he looked up as the young soldier entered. Ivan had been interrogated again and again by many others and had never backed away from his faith still. Gedenko was certain he would solve this problem. Ivan, you don't look like a poor pupil to me. Why are you not learning the correct answers? He answered, sometimes there is a difference between the correct answers and the true ones. Ivan answered, sometimes God does not permit me to give correct answers. See, there are so many pressures and so many forces that are working away at our faith. They may not be so in your face, or perhaps they are. And there they come, and there they rest, working away, eating away at our resolve and our determination and our perseverance and our faith, seeking to re-educate us, seeking to have us give other answers, seeking to have us relax our hold on maintenance, relax our hold on this relationship with the Lord. You know, if dirt and grime, salt and sand are not washed off a car, it's not long before the car is eaten by these. 
It's just the reality. It's just the way it is. In the same way, we need to take care of our relationship with the Lord. We need to take care of our standards. We need to take care of our resolve. We need to take care of our faith. We need to take care of our purity. You know what? We need to take care of our entertainments. We need to take care of our emotions. We can't let them get away on us and run our faith into the ground. We need to hold to our faith in Jesus Christ. And we are called in Revelation to maintain our faith because we are facing persecution. It might not look like it does on the other side of the planet, but we are facing it day in and day out. If we're holding to faith in Christ, why are you not learning the correct answers? Isn't that just like the culture calling us? Like Christians full of compromise, how they call us? Like a society like media, a world system that says, why aren't you learning the correct answers? First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 to 5, in the voice. So finally, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus, we ask you, we beg you to remember what we've taught you. Live a life that is pleasing to God as you're already doing. Yes, we urge you to keep living and thriving in that life. For you know the instructions we gave you, instructions that came through the Lord Jesus. Now this is God's will for you. Set yourselves apart and live holy lives. Avoid polluting yourselves. See, a lot of times we're blaming others, but here it says avoid polluting yourselves. The sexual defilement. Learn how to take charge over your own body, maintaining purity and honor. Don't let the swells of lustful passion run your life as they do the outsiders who don't know God. See, the world wants to re-educate us. We've been re-educated by God. The blinders have come off, and we have new understanding and new wisdom and new knowledge, but... That's not stopping the world from calling us into the headquarters, calling us into the office time and time again to work away at us and finally to have us let go. No longer maintaining our faith, no longer caring for it. The upkeep is gone and therefore what happens? We're re-educated back to the old way of life. Back to the old way of life. True Christianity does not exist without persecution. The strength of our relationship with Jesus will determine whether or not we bend in the face of persecution, blatant or stealthy. You see, we can respond, yes, I believe in God when there's a gun to our head and how bold a declaration it is. But if we can't respond, yes, I believe in God when it's something less than a gun. Something far less than a gun. This might push some buttons tonight, but it might be what Friday night looks like or what Saturday night looks like or what your bedroom looks like when the door's shut. You see, we might say, yeah, I could stand on that day and someone could point a gun at my head. It would be a bold declaration. Yes, I believe in Jesus. But our living is the proof. Whether we really believe in Jesus or not, the way we follow his commands, the way we listen, the way we maintain our faith is proof whether or not we really believe in Jesus. 
You see, we're answering this call day in and day out. Our persecutor is there. The one that wants to annihilate us is there. The executioner is there every day trying to break us down, and we're continually giving an answer. Yes, I believe in Jesus, or no, I don't. Sometimes we look at the consequence of what it's going to cost us. When it's less than a gun, do you believe? When it's less than a gun, do you stand? When it's less than a gun, do you do what's right? When it's less than a gun, do we hold to holiness, purity, righteousness? When it's less than a gun, when we're with a group of people and there's murmuring and complaining and talk that's not right, and we know it, when it's less than a gun, do we stand for what's right? Or because we want the friendship, because we want the party, because... We want the association because we don't want to be alone. When it's less than a gun, do we believe? Are we in the business of giving correct answers rather than true answers? There's a difference. I'm prepared to die in the army of Jesus. Well, the opportunity is there. I preach the gospel with all my might and my conscience is clear before God that I have not sided with the present government, which is utterly self-seeking. I have been threatened many times. Whenever I have the opportunity, I have told the president all the things that the church disapproves of. God is my witness. A man that was arrested for defying the cruelties under Idi Amin and shot to death in Uganda. 1977. We must maintain our faith. We cannot afford to relax the maintaining of our faith. You see, this is what happens. It begins with answering one question correctly rather than truthfully, rather than the way the Lord wants us. It begins with relaxing and letting go of the little things. It begins with the little compromises. It begins with one little fox. And, you know, you might look at your vineyard and you think it's all right, but it begins with one little thing. Do not give the devil a foothold. Don't give him a beachfront. Don't give him an opportunity. And Song of Solomon chapter 2, verse 15 reads, Catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. You know, the truth tonight, proper maintenance means no compromise. Imagine if you took your car, you took your car in and the person comes and you want an oil change and they say, is it okay if I give you compromised oil? Is it okay if I compromise on the job, you know? Not one of us would be okay with that. Not one of us would say yes. Proper maintenance means no compromise. To properly maintain our faith, it means no compromise. Properly maintain this relationship with Jesus, it means no compromise. I've lost all my friends at school now that I have begun to walk my talk. 
They make fun of me. I'm not going to apologize for speaking the name of Jesus. I will take it. If my friends have to become my enemies for me to be with my best friend Jesus, then that's fine with me. I'm not going to hide the light that God has put into me. If I have to sacrifice everything, I will. Rachel Scott murdered at Columbine High School April 20th, 1999. Galatians 4.6 reads, Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? I become your enemy by telling you the truth. See, the first initial response to truth, it's usually negative when it goes against what we want, what we have in mind, what we believe, what we're convinced of. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? Have you ever been in that place where you've become someone's enemy? Because you stood for what is right. Because you didn't go into the movie theater and watch that R-rated movie. Because you didn't attend the party or you walked out. These might seem like silly examples, but have you ever become someone's enemy because you stood for what is right and said, no, that's not right. That's not holy. Have you ever lost a Christian peer because your faith was a little more radical than theirs? And not because you were lording it over them or being prideful in your faith, but you simply said, this is what the Word of God says. That's breaking loyalty. That's breaking faithfulness. That's breaking covenant. That's not holiness. It's not righteousness. It's not purity. I'm not going to be involved in that. That kind of conversation, that talk, that's smut. That doesn't even belong out there. People with the proper head on their shoulders don't even talk like that, that don't know Jesus. And here we are as Christians, running off our mouths. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? See, we're not out to offend people, but the Word of God does offend people. It's the reality. Because it's trying to rip them out of darkness. It's trying to pull them out of sin. Even the little things, even the little foxes that spoil the vine. You see, God cares. He's not like, yeah, okay, a couple little foxes, no big deal. Let them run around and wreak havoc. It's all right. Do we have any little foxes that are spoiling the vine? What does maintenance look like for the Christian? And we all know this list. We've heard it many, many times. It, it looks like Bible reading. It looks like prayer and fasting and worship and church attendance and purity and holiness and wise counsel. You know, don't let the wrong people work on your life. Well-guarded entertainments, well-guarded relationships, well-minded associations. This is what it looks like. Holding to proper doctrine, seeking wise counsel concerning doctrine, not being prideful. We got a lot of people nowadays that are prideful. Everybody's a theologian. They're all doing their own thing. They all have all the answers. They don't want to listen to anybody else that's walked longer than them, that a, has a proven track record, that has a, a real right relationship with the Lord. As soon as they get saved, they put themselves on this pedestal. They walk around with broad shoulders. It's like they own it all.
First Timothy chapter 1, verse 19, continue to have faith and do what you know is right. Some people have rejected this and their faith has been shipwrecked. You know, it says, continue to have faith, so maintain your faith and do what you know is right. Do what the Bible says is right. Some people have rejected this and their faith has been shipwrecked. Doing right is maintenance. It's a slippery slope when we relax this manner. You want to know the truth? Lack of maintenance costs us far more. Lack of maintenance costs us far more. You might look and say, it costs too much to maintain faith. It costs too much to really maintain this holiness and this purity and this relationship with Jesus. The truth is, lack of maintenance costs more. I was recently in the dentist's office, not for myself, and they got all these facts that come across on this TV screen. Little quotes, sayings, and one of them read this, dentistry isn't expensive. Neglect is. And I thought for a moment, well, dentistry is expensive. <laughs> It doesn't matter even if you maintain your teeth. But my, if you, if you neglect, real problem, real cost. I mean, you can apply it to a vehicle. Maintenance costs, doesn't it? Upkeep costs. Your home, it's, it's the same way. It, it costs. And we pay for it because we want things to last. We don't want them to deteriorate and fall apart because the truth is lack of maintenance costs you far more. When you don't remain or you don't maintain your relationship with Jesus when you let go of it, when you don't maintain your relationship with brothers and sisters in Christ, it costs you far more. When you don't maintain your prayer life, it costs you far more. When you don't maintain your worship life, it costs you far more. When you don't maintain tithing and offerings and alms and giving to the Lord, it costs you far more. God, I pray thee, light these idle sticks of my life that I may burn for thee. Consume my life, my God, for it is thine. I seek not a long life, but a full one. Like you, Lord Jesus. Jim Elliott, speared by headhunters in Ecuador while serving as a missionary, 1956. What a prayer and what a cry. Like these idle sticks of my life. I seek not a long life, but a full one like you, Lord Jesus. Let's have the worship team return. It's one simple question tonight. I know it's been a little deep, <laughs> a little heavy. But it's one simple question. How's the maintenance? It's a question we should all consider no matter who we are, no matter how long we've been at this. You know, you can look after a car for almost all your life and then let go. 
it's going to fall apart. You can serve the Lord with purpose and passion and fortitude 30 years. And then if you let go, let go of church attendance, make excuses. I mean, there's, there's many. I go with tithing and prayer and fasting and worship and gathering with brothers and sisters. Let go of Bible reading and kind of just let go of faith. Like, are you there? Pressures come and you know you want to appease family because you love family and, and therefore you don't heed the words of Jesus that said, you know, I've even come to set those in, in the same house against each other because it's not that he, he's coming to bring discord and disunity, but he's drawing the line. He's trying to prepare his bride. But oftentimes when it gets too close, all of a sudden it's family and we bend the rules. You know what I'm saying? We make concession. I'm not saying not love your family. That's not what I'm saying tonight. I don't want anyone to leave here with that kind of a mindset. But we don't bend the rules. We don't weaken our resolve. We don't come down to that level. You know what I'm saying? Friends, that's a big one. A lot of people don't want to let go of friends that they should let go of. And if God somehow miraculously works and bring them back, whether you can minister into their life, great. But don't be drugged down. Don't let go of the maintaining of your faith and your high standard because you want friends. It's one simple question tonight. How's the maintenance? Second Peter chapter 1, verse 10, it says, So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you are really among those God has called and chosen. This isn't talking about easy street. This isn't just relaxing. Whatever happens, happens. And I'm a part of it, whether you like it or not, whether you believe me or not. We're all just a part of it. Let's just take the text tonight and let it speak. This is what it says. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard. Why did God have to put that in there? Work hard to prove that you are really among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. See, God's way is right. Do these things and you won't fall away. It's when we quit doing things, when we quit doing these things, when we quit doing what God's called us to do in order to maintain our faith, that's when we fall away. That's when we start to crumble. The breakdown comes. The deterioration. And finally, it just falls apart. And it's so tragic. There is work and cost involved in maintenance. Maintaining a yard, maintaining a skill, maintaining a car, maintaining a relationship. You know, this generation now, it's a little different. I'm involved in youth ministry, and I think only two people have their license. I don't, it just blows my mind. I know that the grade seveners and eight and nine can't, but I mean, when I was younger, like the moment I turned, I was just waiting there to get my driver's license. You know what I'm saying? As soon as I turned 16, I was driving that day because it, it was a big deal. And now, I don't know, maybe the bus is more appealing or just bumming a ride off everybody else. But, and then I remember getting my first vehicle and it wasn't much. But man, you take care of that vehicle and you vacuum it out and you wash it and you polish it. You want it to look real nice because you care about it. When you care about a skill in your life, you maintain that skill, don't you? 
Even if you're not a professional, you maintain the skill. You want to keep it up. You want to keep it up. It's no different with our walk with the Lord. When you cherish it and when you love it, man, there's no, no cost involved in maintenance. Yeah, there's cost, but you know what I'm saying. Man, prayer, sure. Worship, 100%. Giving, tithing, I'm in. Church attendance, of course. Holiness, absolutely. Standing for what's right, 100%. Not going to watch that sitcom, I'm in. You see what I'm saying? Because you don't want your faith to break down. Someone could come and tell you, the mechanic could say, you got to take care of your car a little better. You're like, what are you talking about? My car's good. Yeah, all right. See you next time. It's one thing to say, it's all right. But you see, when God, when the Holy Spirit comes and says, it's not right, we'd be wise to listen and make the change and hold to their standard of maintenance. It's one simple question, how's the maintenance? You know, I want to ask tonight, what bullet is in the gun pointing at your head? I think there's this gun with a bullet pointing at each of us. And for each of us, it might be different tonight. What bullet is in the gun pointing at your head? Is it loss of employment if you stand for what's right? Is it loss of friendship if you stand for Christ? Is it loss of relationship? Is it loss of family? Is it loss of popularity? Is it loss of opportunity? Is it loss of finances? And I simply leave us with this. Count it all as loss for the incredible surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ. For his sake, we lose all things. In this, we gain everything. Let's stand tonight. Let's just lift up this song and we'll close in prayer. Let's take a look at your own life tonight. How's the maintenance? And just allow the Holy Spirit to speak. You know, it's one thing for us to say that the maintenance program's all good. But let's let the Holy Spirit take a look. I mean, he's already looking. We just got to open up and say...